If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through verse 11 this morning. And I want to share a message entitled, The Last Man Standing. I know it's Easter Sunday, it's Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate God's resurrection. Of course, we do that 365, amen? Not just on Easter Sunday. Uh, But today, this is going to be a little bit different than a normal Easter sermon. But as we get towards the end, we're going to tie the resurrection in with it, amen? As we look at this today, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through verse 11, the scripture says this, Have this attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross." Now here's kind of where our title came from. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth. Thus he's the last man standing. Amen. Heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lord Jesus, we come to you. And God, we do thank you, Lord, that we're... God, able to be here today in your house to worship together and to exalt you. But God, we thank you more than anything that we have a reason to gather today, Lord. That we serve a risen Savior. That you are alive today, Lord Jesus. That death, hell, the grave, nothing could defeat you, but you defeated that, Lord. And God, we today can walk in victory as a result of your victory through the cross and through the grave, Lord. God, we love you. We praise you for that. And we just pray, God, that today, Lord, that each one of us, Lord God, that we would make certain today that we're your child, that if we're not your child, that today before we leave this place, we would be born again. And for every Christian that's here, Lord God, that we would, Lord, make it a choice right now. We would determine in our hearts that we are going to serve you in every way we can, Lord, because you're worthy, Lord. God, once again, as always, not just out of routine, but God, because we have the authority in the name of Jesus to rebuke the devil right now, pleading the shed blood of Christ over this place, asking the Holy Spirit to continue to dwell among us and demanding any other spirit be gone, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I know this is a very familiar passage for you, and as I say always, it's one of my favorite passages. I love this part when I read and I... I, I Think about the future when it says that every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I get a picture of right now, of course, I really like to focus on this passage because we live in such a dark age, don't we? It seems like the world often is winning. We look across our land and we see evil prevailing and we see all these terrible things happening. And it's almost as if the enemy is just kind of taunting, knowing his days are possibly few, and and all the things that are going on. And I look at that, and often I get disgusted, I get discouraged. But when I look at this passage here, I picture all the evil people out there, Satan also, amen? And Jesus, the only one standing, the only one standing, amen? And everybody else bowed down uncontrollably, they don't have a choice, bowed down before him and confessing him as Lord. I like that picture, amen? And so today, I want to answer the question, why is he the last man standing? Why is Jesus the last man standing? Number one this morning, number one and first, because of his name. 
He's the last man standing because of his name. Listen to verse 9 and verse 11. The Bible tells us a little bit about it. It says, For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So first of all, I believe he's the last man standing because of his name. How many of y'all know today that his name is way different than old Greg? My name's important. My mom, my dad chose it for me. It's who I'm called by. And Well, I don't want to get off on this, but I remember when I, I didn't hear my mom say Greg, but it was Gregory Allen doing. I knew something was wrong. Amen? But my name's important, no, for sure. But Jesus' name, the Bible tells us today, is above every name. Every name. And I just want to kind of point out a few things today. Number one, if you look at John chapter 8, you'll see where Jesus just moments before the crucifixion, has a group of soldiers, a group of enemies, if you will, come to him, and as Jesus asked them, who are you seeking? They answer and say, Jesus of Nazareth, and Jesus says this, I am he. And you know what happened? They all fell down before him, because there's power in the name of Jesus. And I want to turn your attention, if you would, look in Acts chapter 4. Uh, and I'm going to read several passages today. We're going to spend more time in Scripture than I normally do today, but I don't apologize for that, amen. We love the Word of God, and so we need to spend time in it, right? Acts chapter 4, verse 1 through verse 12. Listen to what it says here. As we think about the power of the name of Jesus. It says, They were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard, and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. And Annas the high priest was there, and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of high priestly descent. When they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, by what power, listen to this now, by what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man, as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name this man stands before you in good health. He is the stone which was directed by, the, the, by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation, I love this here, there is salvation in no other else than, or no other name other than, uh, let me start over, amen? And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Amen? There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you today, I stand before you as a man of God, born again, delivered from drugs and the filth of this world because of the power of the name of Jesus. Amen? Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. If you go to Acts chapter 19, we won't go there today for sake of time, but if you go, you'll find out that there's even these Jewish exorcists, these men who were not born-again believers. They were lost men, unregenerate. 
And it tells us that they were actually casting out demons in the name of Jesus. And of course we know for them the demons ended up turning on them and, and do some pretty terrible things to them, right? But I just want to highlight the fact that these lost men, just by mentioning the name of Jesus, were seeing miracles performed because there's power in the name of Jesus. And when we read this passage today, we see Jesus, the last man standing, it's because of his name. There's power in the name of Jesus. Now I pick a lot of times, or I say pick, I, I, I kind of am critical, I guess, of a lot of different denominations. And, and they'll get hung up and, and really just focus on the name of Jesus. And, and man, if you just quote the name of Jesus and this will happen, your wallet get, wallet will get real fat, you'll never have to see a doctor again if you just go in the name of Jesus and all this. And man, there's a lot of things there that are unbalanced. But they do have one thing true, there is power in the name of Jesus. Amen? So he is the last man standing because of his name. Second of all, because of who he is. Because of who he is. Notice what it tells us here in verse 5 and verse 6. Have this attitude in, you, in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God. Who is he? He's God in the form of man. Although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. He's the last man standing because also of who he is. He's God. He is God. Today we're not serving some good teacher as the Jewish might would think. Today we're not serving just a good teacher as the religion of Islam would tell you today. He's not just a good man. He's not just somebody who was smart. He's not just someone who was influential through history. He is God, amen? He is truly God. Jesus was truly 100% God. Isaiah 45 verse 22 tells us this, I am God and there is no other. Today He is King of kings, Lord of lords. There will never be another God. He is the one and only, amen? And He was the last one standing as a result of that, who He is. Now I want to turn your attention, This is, and I want to invite you to turn there because this is most likely a passage that you probably read and, and just don't remember, or, or maybe you didn't recognize what was going on, but 1 Samuel, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 5. When I think about Jesus being the last man standing, this is a passage of Scripture in the Old Testament that, man, is just so beautiful. As we think about the power of God and, and who God is, this is probably when you started your yearly Bible reading and you was going to get through the Word of God. Man, you got through um, a few of the, the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and, man, you got through Leviticus and you were just about wore out, so you didn't notice what happened here. So I want to help you see what happened. Amen? 1 Samuel chapter 5, listen to this, verse, starting at verse 1. It says, Now the Philistines took the ark of God, which is a type, a picture of God, where God's present. We know all that that took place with the ark of God. It said, And brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it to the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. In other words, the enemies of God have captured the ark of God and they're holding it ransom, if you will. They, they've got it. Now, but notice what happens here. When we think about the power of God, the name of Jesus, as we just talked about, and then the fact that God is all-powerful, and just His ark is in the enemy's uh, presence, in the enemy's possession, notice what happens. Verse 3. When the Ashdodites arose early the next morning, behold, Dagon, who was their pagan god, their, their idol, had fallen on his face to the ground. In other words, wasn't standing anymore, amen? Even just in the presence of the ark of God. 
Dagon had fallen on his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and set him on his place again. But when they came early the next morning, behold, Dagon had fallen on his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the hand of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off on the threshold. Only the trunk of Dagon was left to him. Therefore neither the priest of Dagon nor all who entered Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon and Ashdod to this day. There's power, amen, in the name of Jesus, and there's power in God, amen. Just the ark of God in the presence of his enemies, and their pagan God set up against it, in other words, in a symbol, I've got to assume, in a symbol that they were trying to say, look how powerful Dagon is, look how powerful our God is compared to the God of the Israelites. And the next morning they wake up, and he's bowed face down, bowing down before the ark of God. Supernatural power, amen? Oh, well, let's set him up again. Let's, maybe the wind blew him over. Maybe, don't you know that's what they were thinking? Maybe something just happened. Let's set him up again. They rise up early the next morning to go and see where their pagan God had triumphed over the ark of God. What happened? Nope. He has had his head severed, his hands severed, and he's bowed down before the ark of God because God is all-powerful, amen? He is God. And that's why Jesus is going to be the last man standing one day. Amen? Listen to this. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through verse 7. Listen to what Scripture says right here. Man, even the demons know how awesome and all-powerful God is. It says, They came to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gerasenes. When he got out of the boat, referring to Jesus, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit, met him. And he had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one was able to bind him anymore. And just kind of a side note, man, if you ever listen to Casting Crowns, Casting Crowns is one of the most amazing Christian groups out there. Mark Hall wrote a song about this very particular passage of Scripture. It is phenomenal. You have to look it up. Is it called Waiting on the Night to Fall, Merely? I think that's what it's called, the title, but it's phenomenal. It says, No one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. In other words, this guy was a bad dude. Nobody could subdue him. No man-made chain could hold him. He would just break them into pieces. But notice what happens when he faces Jesus. It says, it broken, shackles broken in pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Verse 5, Constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gashing himself with stones. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him. Amen? Bowed down before him, shouting with a loud voice, he said, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God, do not torment me. Is there power in Jesus? Amen? Is God all-powerful? As no one else could subdue him, chains couldn't hold him, he runs before the Lord Jesus because he is God, amen, bows down before him and begs him, please don't torment me because God is all-powerful, amen. Listen, believers, today we walk around all too often with our heads laid low, our tails tucked between our legs, if you will, acting like we are no match for the devil. And we aren't no match for the devil. We're no match for all the evil out there. But Jesus in us, amen, as the Bible tells us, greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. 
He is a match for him, amen? There's no power or authority to come against him, amen? So today we need to celebrate that as we look at this man who's the last man standing because of his name, because of who he is, and third of all this morning, because of what he did. Because of what he did. Jesus, as we see in this passage, and we think this futuristic event is the last man standing because of what he did. And I just want to touch on several things today of what he's done. Number one, we know that Jesus himself was there at creation. Colossians tells us this in Colossians chapter 1, that he spoke the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them into existence. Pretty awesome, amen? Have you ever been anywhere before, whether it was the Grand Canyon, maybe some caverns, maybe just mountains, even in Union Parish, amen, there's things we look at out there that are amazing, that are beautiful, that you know that man had nothing to do with them. Jesus spoke them into existence. Spoke them into existence. He said, words and things were formed, amen? Pretty awesome. He's the last man standing because of what he's done. Second of all, not just the fact that he spoke creation into existence, but because he gave up the splendor of heaven. Notice verse 7 here. Verse 7 tells us, it says, But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, to be made in the likeness of men. In other words, he gave up the splendor of heaven, left the splendor of heaven, emptied himself, as the Bible tells us, became a servant, and came to this sin-sick world in the most helpless form as we celebrate in Christmas as a baby. Man, what he's done, amen? But it doesn't stop there. The Bible teaches us not only that he come here in the form of a helpless baby, in the form of a man, although he is still 100% God, he came here but he was 100% obedient. Listen to what verse 8 tells us. Been found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. He was 100% obedient. Today, listen, I want you to understand this. I don't care what anybody tells you. The fact is, Jesus Christ never once gave in to temptation, ever. I've heard a lot of folks before, they'd be like, well, you know, yeah, he was perfect and all the big things and all that, but, but, you know, he told lies and he probably did this or did that. No, that's a lie right there, amen? Jesus was obedient 100% his entire life, period. Because if he wasn't, his death would have meant no more than my death. But he was 100% obedient. He was the perfect Lamb of God without blemish, amen? So we see he was obedient in every way and then fourth of all, as we think about the fact that he's the last man standing because of what he's done, and it's because he overcame death, hell, and the grave. Amen? We celebrate Easter today and the fact that he's no longer in the grave. Amen? About five, six years ago, somewhere in that neighborhood, I went to that exact grave. In fact, I, did, I took the Lord's Supper right outside that empty tomb, celebrating the fact that he overcame death, hell, and the grave, and he is there no longer. Amen? I used to love to hear Brother Jack Daniels. Any of y'all ever heard him? He's the evangelist. He's with the Lord now. But he used to always talk about this. He'd, he'd, he'd get on this little bit of a, 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 a soapbox, whatever you want to call it, man, and he'd go to challenge you, man, as he'd be preaching. He says, look, you don't believe Jesus lives? He said, won't you, won't, or was resurrected, won't you just go out and check the tomb out? Won't you, won't you go out and, and wear yourself out looking for his bones? You'll never find them, amen, because he is resurrected. You can go find Buddha. You can go find Muhammad. You can find every other pagan leader out there. Every last one of them, you can find their bones and sit there and mourn and grieve, whatever you want to do, but you'll never find Jesus's because he has them with himself. Amen? He is resurrected. 
He overcame death, hell, and the grave. Listen, if you would turn me to Revelation chapter 5, there's a scene in heaven that I want us to read about today that exalts and just kind of glorifies the fact that he overcame death, hell, and the grave. In Revelation chapter 5, I'm going to read all 14 verses this entire chapter. Some of you haven't been reading your Bible, you're going to catch up today, amen? <laughs> you're going to get a whole chapter. The scripture says this, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book written inside and on the back sealed up with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? Of course, I don't have time to expound on all of this. And, but verse 3, it says, And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it. Then I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he became and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Is it not just constant reminder of who's left standing? Lord Jesus, amen? Each one holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Then I took and heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, sound a little familiar? And under the earth and on the sea and all things in them I heard saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Man, that's all about Jesus, amen? Because of who He is, because of His name, because of what He's done, amen? He overcame death, hell, and the grave. Our responsive reading right there was from one of the passages that I use just about at every graveside that I ever go and, and take part in. And I love it because it's where Paul is addressing the church at Corinth and he refers to them or he reminds them that the death of sting has been taken away, amen? For a believer, the death... Or the sting of death has been taken away. Today, listen, we don't have to wonder, does, does the Lord really have power to raise me? Man, if, if, if COVID gets me today, or if a truck gets me today, if I, if I lose my life today, does God really have the power to raise me from the dead? You better believe it. He demonstrated, amen? He raised himself from the grave, the Lord Jesus. He's all-powerful, amen? And then last of all this morning, Another reason why he's the last man standing, because of what he's going to do. See, there's, there's a lot of futuristic, there's a lot of prophecy in this passage. There's a lot of things that have already taken place, but there's a little bit of prophecy here too. It's referring to the day of the Lord, isn't it? What's going to take place? 
Listen to verse 10 and verse 11. It says, so at the name of Jesus, it's talking about the day of judgment, it's talking about something in the future, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I, I opened up with this a while ago, and I want to kind of close with it. This is talking about a glorious day when sin will reign no more. When every demonic person out there that wants to continue to kill babies and promote homosexuality and promote all the other filth out there from adultery and drug abuse, all that other garbage. And listen, I'm not just picking out one thing. I'm, I'm wicked too but here today. It's only the blood of Jesus that's cleansed me. Amen? There's coming a day when none of that is going to reign. Every last person from Adam to the last person born and even all the living creatures as we read in Revelation chapter 5 are going to confess Jesus is Lord. Yes, He is Lord. Where's the ACLU going to be in that moment that's constantly going against everybody in America that wants to mention the name of Jesus or celebrate Jesus or worship Jesus and say, you can't do that here, this is public or you can't do that here because you're going to offend somebody or whatever. What are they going to be doing? They're going to be saying, Jesus you are Lord, bow down. Amen? We celebrate because He is the last man standing. Every last person is going to be bowed down before Him, confessing Him as Lord. But what I want us to think about in this point, what He's going to do, the fact that He's coming back, the fact that we celebrate not just today the resurrection of Jesus, but His return one day. Amen? that he'll come back and take his bride, his church, back to be with him. What a celebration. And some of y'all are like me right now, like, man, Lord, come quickly, right? Man, we need you. But man, he may not. There's a lot of souls that need to be saved. Amen. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. We don't need to just take the easy way out. We need to say, Lord, hold up just a minute. God, we got loved ones. We got family members. We got friends. We got neighbors. We got co-workers that need to be saved, that need to know the power of the resurrection today, Lord. And so, God, just not yet. Can we just have a little more time to do your work? He's coming back. Amen. But when he comes back, it's going to be too late for so many. And so today, listen, as we think about Easter and we celebrate it, how bad would it be if we don't share it with anyone else? How bad would it be if we don't go out to our loved ones, as I just mentioned, and acquaintances and friends and neighbors and share it with them? He's coming back and we need to celebrate that. And we need to celebrate the fact that he's all powerful and he's going to be the last man standing. But how many loved ones, how many folks do we have today that don't know him? that aren't celebrating Easter, that don't know the meaning of Easter. They think it's just about the eggs and the ducks and the rabbits and everything else, man. They miss it all together. It brings light to the fact of how important it is that you and I share the gospel with them. Amen? That we share with them that there's coming a day that every last one of us, we're, we're going to bow sooner or later. Why not bow now before Him as Lord? Amen? And the question I have for you first and foremost this morning is this futuristic event that I'm talking about when every last person born of woman, uh, including Adam and Eve, amen, they weren't born of woman, were they? Everybody's going to bow down and confess Him as Lord. My question for you is this. Are you going to be doing it voluntarily? Are you going to be doing it eagerly because you know Him as Lord and you want to bow down and worship Him and exalt Him? Is that why it's going to happen? 
or is it going to happen to you because you're going to be forced to do it by that supernatural power that we've been recognizing today? You don't know him and you don't plan on bowing. You're not bowed your heart and your life to him now. And that, and that day, if it were to happen right now, you'd be bowed just because he made you. Man, that's awesome to exalt his power and to, to celebrate that. But man, it would be way, way more important for you and better, amen, if you were to bow before him now. Bow your heart to him now and allow him to save you now, amen. So today, if you don't know him, you've never really been born again, Man, what an amazing time it would be if you would give your life to him right now. Easter would never be the same for you. And you could look back and say, man, I'll never forget Easter 2022. I went from a religious person to a child of God. I went from someone who didn't know or have a clue about God to a child of God. Amen? Would you do that today? And then child of God, every last one of us that can say, man, I know that I'm going to bow down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fall on my knees gladly. And I'm going to proclaim Jesus is Lord because he really is Lord of my life. I know that. I know I'm a child of God. If you can say that today, then ask yourself this question. How serious are we about sharing it with others? How serious are we about going out and showing people the gospel and sharing the gospel with them verbally? Amen? How serious are we? And we need to pray and ask God to give us the strength and the determination to do that. Amen? to do what he's called us to do.